Welcome to the Beth Jones International Speaker Official Podcast. I am Beth Jones, your hostess, and I'm so glad that you're here with me today. I invite you to subscribe to my podcast at iTunes and to visit my business page on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash bethjones.net. You can also find out more about my keynote speaking and books at my website and blog, bethjones.net, and follow me on Twitter at Beth M. Jones. Today's podcast is Do the Hard Things, and I would like to pray first and then we'll get started. God, I just come before you on this beautiful day, and I thank you and I praise you. God, I just pray that you would anoint me with your Holy Spirit, that you would give me the words of life to encourage and motivate others. God, we know that sometimes we do have to do the hard things, just as Jesus did. God, he went all the way to the cross and to death and rose again for our sins to be forgiven and so that we could have that lasting, eternal relationship with you. God, I thank you for all that Jesus has done for me and for the listeners. And God, we just pray that we would glorify you with our lives, that we would do the hard things that are necessary, God, to get to where you want us to go and to be who you have called and anointed us to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, it's been very cold here in the Kansas City, Missouri area lately, and today, for example, it was 18 degrees, and this year, if you've been following my blog or my podcast or my e-zine, you know that I've been radically changing my lifestyle, eating much more healthy foods and exercising daily, and this is not something I really want to do. I promise you I would love to eat a whole bunch of chocolate because I love chocolate. I would love to get a big greasy cheeseburger at Sonnet with french fries, lots of ketchup, and a big fat Coke. But because I've been doing that as a habit for the last, oh, many years, it has resulted in me being overweight and um, a, a few health issues like high blood pressure. And so I want to overcome that. I want to radically change my lifestyle. This is not a diet for me. It's a lifestyle change so that I can fulfill the purpose that God has for me to speak and write for his glory. Now, what I've been doing is walking at the track in town, but with the cold weather lately, I have a backup plan. Always have a backup plan. And what I do is a kickboxing exercise video by Stacy Cronin. And you that C-R-O-N-I-N. And you can find her video on kickboxing at Amazon. Kickboxing is a combination of boxing and taekwondo. It's kicking, like roundhouses, snap kicks, things like that. And it's actually quite fun, but it's not fun all the time. I actually prefer the walking. I would like to be outside in the fresh air and the sunshine. And I have walked on some days that were extreme temps. What I did was bundle up my coat with my coat and my gloves, layers of clothes, and a long scarf. And I also bought a nose warmer and net warmer to cover my neck and my nose so they wouldn't freeze either. I didn't want to look like Rudolph and I didn't want my nose cold. But this week, I had a little bit of a sore throat, so what I've done is my backup plan. I've done the kickboxing. I don't always want to do the video, and I don't always want to walk. Why? Because it's work. It's hard. It's not always fun, although sometimes it is fun. I sweat, I pant, I give out breath because I am out of shape and overweight. But I push myself and motivate myself to do it with God's help. And afterwards, after I've done that video or after I've walked, I feel so good about myself knowing that I'm doing something healthy for my body to make it fit. This body, which God says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20, is the holy temple of God. And this verse says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So we have to take care of ourselves physically, emotionally, and spiritually. We have to do those hard things. We have to be fit and healthy in order to fulfill the purpose and the calling that God has created us for. Now, for me, that is speaking and writing and traveling for both short-term missions and for pleasure because I love to travel, and I believe that God put that into my heart. 
For you, it may be speaking like my friends Shelley Valisette, Karen Wells, Doreen Penner. Or it may be coaching. It may be teaching. It may be working at an office like our daughter Heather, who is an office manager at a chiropractor's office. Now, that's not her dream. She has many more dreams than that. She, For example, she would love to do missions work and to travel all over the world. And she actually joined a club this year, a travel club, to be able to do that. She's going to Corpus Christi, Texas this year with her, her girls and her fiancé, Matt, to be able to fulfill some of those dreams. And, and she has much bigger dreams than that, too. Maybe it's being an artist or a musician like my friend Naima Johnston Bush. Maybe it's creating beautiful, unique jewelry like my artist friend Jennifer Whedon. Or maybe it's being in emergency services like a fireman, police work, or my husband Ray, who is a critical care paramedic. Whatever it is that God has called and gifted and anointed you to do, you need your physical body to be able to do it. Now, ideally, you need to be in good health to do it in the best way possible because being sick and unhealthy will hinder you or even stop you from your job or your God-given purpose. It will stop you from your dreams. The best way to be healthy, as we know, is to eat healthy foods. Lots of veggies, almonds, plenty of water, limit sweets and carbs, lean meats and fish, and to exercise daily using cardio workouts and strengthening exercises like sit-ups and push-ups. Yes, it's hard. I know it's hard. I don't always want to do it. But sometimes we have to do the hard things to do what God is calling us to do and what you want to be. What do you want to be? What are your big dreams? What would you love to do barring any financial limits, any uh, mindset limits? What do you want to do? What do you want your life to look like? Now, I have had a hard life. And some of these events were because of things done to me that I could not control, like my childhood sexual and physical abuse and the domestic violence that my daughter Heather and I went through in my second marriage. Other hard things that I went through were because of wrong, sinful choices that I made, which made my life harder. There were consequences to what I did. For example, all the different relationships I had with men, having three abortions, I've gone through a lot of terrifying and hard things in my life, like five car wrecks, my second husband hurting me and my daughter Heather, causing her to have brain surgery, our daughter Leah having grand mal seizures. Now, Heather and Leah both have been miraculously healed by Jesus, but those things were very hard. They were the hardest things I've ever been through in my life. Another is my husband, Ray, losing his job, and the result was our home foreclosed. We lost my SUV. We had to file complete bankruptcy. Ray and I have had a lot of financial problems, and in our marriage, I've had challenges with step-parenting, and there's been many more things in my life that have been very hard. Through all of these trials, I've had to learn to hold on to Jesus, to have faith, and to persevere. And while I don't believe all of these things came from God, I believe actually many of them were spiritual warfare that the enemy was attacking me and Ray. But I also believe some of them were from our sins. For example, strife. Strife and unforgiveness can open the door to the enemy. So quickly shut it. But I believe that God used many of these hard things, many of these trials, these tests, to mold me more into the character of Jesus Christ. God is the potter and we are the clay. Isaiah 64, 8. I had to take a drink there. I had to learn the hard work of being in the trenches of warfare. The difficult but necessary work of prayer and intercession. Now, another hard thing that I had to do was homeschool our children, and I loved it, and really, sometimes I, I miss it so much, especially at the beginning of the year when kids are buying their school supplies and their backpacks and the cute school clothes. I love doing things like that, and I love buying curriculum for our kids, choosing the, the books and following the Charlotte Mason method. I loved homeschool. 
But and I miss it sometimes. But now I'm in a different season of my life. But it wasn't always easy. It was really hard sometimes, especially when Ray and I were going through a lot of marriage problems. It was so hard. It was so hard to stay focused. When our oldest daughter Heather was in tenth grade, God told me to homeschool her. And in my early twenties, I had converted from being a Methodist and then a Baptist. Then I converted to Roman Catholicism. I was saved as a Christian at 18 years old, went through a whole season of rebellion throughout my 20s, but in my early 20s, I converted to Roman Catholicism. I was just drawn to that Catholic Church. I, I, I felt like I found Jesus again in the Catholic Church. Um, in my early 20s, when I converted, Heather attended parochial school until I married Ray. Because of our financial struggles in the early days of our marriage, we had to take Heather out of that private Catholic school and put her in public school, which I did not want to do, but financially that's what we had to do. And when Heather went into public school, she began to struggle with her grades and her subjects at school. She began hanging out with the wrong crowd, especially in junior high and high school, and she began to show signs of rebellion to our authority. God spoke to me to begin homeschooling her, and Ray was very much in agreement with this. He thought we should. When God told me to homeschool her, I was terrified. I did not know anyone who homeschooled. I didn't even have a college degree at that time, which now I don't believe that's what you have to have. Uh, God has called and anointed parents to teach their own children. And I was so afraid of a truancy officer showing up at our front door for her not being, quote, in school. But Ray agreed that we should take her out right then and begin homeschooling Heather in the last part of her 10th grade year. After I started homeschooling her, our home really began to come in order and Heather's grades improved. She grew closer to her. She grew, she grew closer to us as our parents. She grew closer to her sisters and God began to speak to her and he spoke to her that he wanted her to become a missionary. And she graduated from our homeschool in the year 2000. She went to Youth with a Mission in Arkansas and that was in Elm Springs. And then she went on mission trips to Peru, Brazil, Colombia, and India with her YWAM team for an entire month each, as well as stateside mission trips. And since then, Heather has gone on mission trips to Mexico, and now she wants to go to Africa, too, on a missions trip. That She's been wanting to go to Africa for years. And I believe she's going. I believe she's going all over the world. Right now, though, her two precious little girls, Annabelle and Violet, are her mission field, raising her children for the Lord, taking care of them. That's her primary responsibility at this season in her life. And she'll be in another season later where I believe God's going to send her out to the nations because like Ray and me, she has got a nation's call on her life. We have always homeschooled our youngest daughter, and she graduated in 2012 from our homeschool. It was not always easy to homeschool, just like you may have an area in your life right now where it's hard too. I could have easily chosen the, quote, easy way out, and I'm not saying working is easy by any means, but for me, it would have been easier to get a full-time job outside the home and start climbing the corporate ladder making those bucks, buying those clothes, achieving worldly success. And I'm not condemning anyone that has done that. I don't say that homeschooling is better than public school or private school. I'm not saying that a woman who stays in the home is better than a woman who works. I believe God has called each of us to a specific task and to do different things. And we need to hear his voice because there are definitely women out in the public sector and politics and education and police work and teaching and so many different fields, doctors, medical fields, that God has called them to do that. But for me, I believe that God told me to homeschool our children. Now, it would have been easy for me to send them to private or public school and just, you know, had a good old time shopping, going out to eat Mexican or Chinese lunch with friends, seeing chick flicks. That, you know, that would have been 
easier some days than staying at home teaching math or teaching grammar to our children, teaching them to write. But I would not trade it for the world. Some of my sweetest, most precious memories are of homeschooling our children. I believe that God wanted me to be at home with our children, teaching them from his word, teaching them the Bible, making Jesus in an educational, daily, learning, creative atmosphere at the heart of our home, encouraging our kids to pursue their purpose and use their gifts for God's glory. And I really believe due to homeschooling, uh, especially with Leah, it allowed her that freedom and that time to cultivate her creative side. She plays the violin beautifully, and she is an amazing artist. And you can see some of that on my website and also on my homeschooling site. But that gave her freedom to develop that artistic side to herself. Now, another area that has been hard for me personally has been marriage. And Ray and I have been together 23 years and married for 22. This April, we will celebrate our 23rd wedding anniversary. And that's pretty close to that silver wedding anniversary, which is the 25th one. It's hard to believe that Ray and I have been married that long. And at the same time, it's easy to believe because sometimes it feels so much longer. It feels like forever. Our marriage, if you do not know my testimony, has been hell. And I'm sorry if that offends you, but that's all I can describe it as. This is my third marriage, and it's Ray's second marriage. We both brought a lot of emotional baggage into the marriage. And there is a great book called When Victims Marry by Don Frank and Jan Frank. And you can find that at Amazon. Jan was sexually abused as a child, and Don grew up in an alcoholic home. And when Ray and I married, we didn't realize the depth of the problems we would have being married. My sexual and physical childhood abuse especially caused us problems. My abuse in childhood messed me up bad. And it has only been God's grace and His healing power and virtue that has brought forth intense healing in my life. But when I met Ray, I was messed up and he was messed up. Ray, being extremely wounded himself, was not able to cope very well with all the issues because he had so many of his own. But he didn't realize the depth of the issues that I had emotionally. And he was not able to fix me. He's very much a rescuer. He's a paramedic. He's been a policeman and a fireman and a fire chief and a police chief. He's been on a SWAT team. He's done missions work. Ray is a rescuer by virtue of his personality, his gifts, and just the desires in his heart. God put that inside of him. He grew up studying comic books and, and stories of heroes and of knights. So that's, that's what he feels called to. Ray wanted to rescue me, but he was not able to. Only God has been able to rescue me, deliver me, and heal me. Hold on, let me take another drink and a, a little break. I'm hoping eventually to get some sponsors for my podcast. So if you are a sponsor or know anyone that is a sponsor, please let me know at betjens.net for this podcast. And remember, too, that you can also subscribe to my podcast on iTunes. Anyway, Ray and I have been through just about every kind of problem you can imagine in our marriage. And if you would like to learn more about all of our marriage problems my sexual and childhood abuse, our financial struggles, the things that I've been through in my life with abortions and different relationships with men. You can read my memoir, Promises in the Jar, One Woman's Search for Authentic Love, and you can get that at my website at betjones.net in my e-store. Also, you can get it at Amazon for your Kindle and also at Barnes & Noble for your Nook. It is not just a memoir, though. It is about God's faithful promises that even when we're unfaithful, God remains true and faithful. And you can always trust in and count on God because he loves you and he is for you and not against you. That book shares about my childhood abuse, 
my abortions, and many other painful and scary things that have happened in my life. And through it all, God has been so faithful. Marriage, even in the best of circumstances, and even for Christians, is hard work. You have to do those hard things to make it last and make it better. And if you're like me, you might be thinking, why do I have to do the work? Why do I have to do it all? Why can't my husband do it? Or why can't my wife do it? And I understand that frustration. Sometimes it feels like you, you do all these things for your spouse and nothing happens. They don't respond. They ignore you like a piece of furniture. They don't value you or respect you. But, you know, sometimes they feel that way too. And so you just have to do your part. You ask God to help you do your part and let God do the rest. And then if you truly are doing what God has called you to do as a, a wife or a, a husband, this is what will happen. And I just read this in Naima Johnson Bish's book, uh, Lessons from the Back Seat. If you are doing what is right and good and really obeying God in your marriage, then duck. Yes, duck, because you will get out of the Holy Spirit's way and the Holy Spirit will deal with your spouse. So if you're in a hard marriage where it feels like your heart is just tearing out, you're lonely, you're hurting, you know God does not want you to divorce. God has not told you to do that. And I'm not talking about situations where there's abuse, physical abuse, mental abuse, verbal, or there is continually uh, adultery or pornography addiction or substance abuse. I'm not talking about those kind of cases. But if and if that is the case, I want to encourage you to get someplace safe for you and the kids. Get counseling and set firm boundaries for your marriage. But if you're in a marriage that is stale, that's boring, it lacks luster, you know, you you your things are getting old, you don't feel like y'all are really connecting, and you feel like you're just slowly dying inside. I want to encourage you to begin to really pray for your marriage. Take steps of action today. Right now, find a marriage retreat, a marriage conference to go to. That's what Ray and I did this year. Go on dates with your husband or wife. Set a date to go out to dinner or go do something fun. Get counseling and communicate. Talk with your spouse. Do those hard things. Sometimes talking with your, your husband or your wife can be so hard because you haven't talked for a while. And so all you do is talk small talk. You talk about the bills or the kids and it gets boring. It gets mundane. And God does not want that for your marriage. He wants you to have a passionate relationship with your spouse, just like Jesus passionately loves the bride of Christ, the church, and his people, Israel, who are the apple of his eye. Talk to your husband or wife the, more about the bills, more than just about the bills. I talk to Ray all the time. Now, he may not always want me to talk to him all the time. Probably a lot of times Ray wishes I would just shut up. And he makes a joke that when he first met me, I was very shy and quiet. And it's hard for him to believe that now or others to believe it because I talk a lot. But I really try to practice listening too. But um, he he jokes that he wished those were the good old days when I was quiet and I didn't say anything. But it helps me emotionally and spiritually to talk to Ray because he is such a good listener. And he has such wisdom and um insight into situations for my life personally like situations with our kids and grandkids or for my business so listen to your spouse talk listen to them really cultivate and practice that art of listening i have not got it down pat um i'm not a very good listener a lot of times i get really excited about what i'm saying or thinking and i want to rush ahead and interrupt people it's not because i'm being rude it's because i'm so excited and i'm afraid i'm gonna forget what i was just thinking about and i want to go ahead and tell them and i'm so excited but practice that listening and one of the things that we did when we went on a marriage retreat this year in branson missouri and you can read about that on my blog. Just put in the search bar, Branson or Marriage Retreat. Was we read the Bible to each other at night. And we, 
prayed holding hands. And that felt so good to me. It just really comforted me that Ray was reading the Bible to me and letting the Word of God wash over me and cleansing me and encouraging me and refreshing me. It's hard to stay mad at someone that you're praying with or holding hands with. So I want to encourage you and myself to get that spark back in your marriage. Also, have regular sex because sex is spiritual warfare against the enemy. That is why the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 7, 1-7, God's Word Translation, Husbands and wives could should satisfy each other's sexual needs. A wife doesn't have authority over her own body, but her husband does. In the same way, a husband doesn't have authority over his own body, but his wife does. Don't withhold yourselves from each other unless you agree to do so for a set time to devote yourselves to prayer. Then you should get back together so that Satan doesn't use your lack of self-control to tempt you. And that is the danger. If you don't have sex a lot, enjoyable, frequent, passionate sex, you are both going to be set up for temptation somehow with an emotional affair, a physical affair, pornography, flirting, a man looking with lust at a woman, whatever. It puts you both in danger. And if you have been sexually abused in childhood, as I have been, sex can be a whole area of warfare because uh, it messes with your mind. And so you may need healing in that area and you may need to have a spouse that is very understanding. You may need professional counseling. So, and I understand that, so please don't send me hate mail saying, I can't stand sex. How could you say this? Sex is dirty or whatever. Ask God to help you in that area and he will heal you and set you free. Because God wants you to have a great sex life and a, a just an intimate relationship with your spouse. And sometimes you just need to hug or hold each other or just talk to each other. Do fun things together and laugh and set a guard around your marriage from the opposite sex. Last night on Facebook, I saw one of Ray's friends who admitted that he had been flirting with other women. And his wife found out from the text. And she was so upset because apparently it was some intense flirting. And it made her feel threatened. Flirting can make your spouse feel threatened. Set boundaries around your marriage and stay alert in prayer and pray daily for your marriage. Hold on, I'm going to get another drink of water. Hold on just a second. Okay. Pray daily for your marriage. And I use Stormy O'Mardian's book, Praying for Your Husband. She's also got other books on praying for your teens, praying for your children. She just writes great books on prayer. And I also am signed up for her easing where she sends out prayer points that are very encouraging. In this book, Praying for Your Husband, she shares about her marriage and she shares practical prayers to pray each day for your spouse. Now, sometimes you're not going to want to pray for your husband or your wife. In fact, your prayers may be more like, God, get him. Or, you know, like the disciples praying down fire. We don't know what of spirit we are when we pray those kind of things. We need to pray for mercy. We do need to pray for conviction of the Holy Spirit if we see our husband or wife doing something wrong. God doesn't want them to sin either. He wants everyone to obey him. But always remember that mercy triumphs over judgment. Just And ask God, you know, pray for yourself. Because let's face it, we need grace in our marriages. Especially when our spouses are not treating us in a loving, kind, good way. And remember, too, that you and I are not perfect either. It may be just as hard for them to be married to you. Ray recently kind of insulted me by saying I was high maintenance, a high maintenance wife. And I thought the nerve, you know, I am not high maintenance, but that's how he views me sometimes. So um, I have to keep that in mind and I try not to be. And um, 
I'm going to try to get him to elaborate more on that. But each day, pray for your spouse. And prayer is hard work. I mean, we don't always want to pray for them, We, especially if you're mad at them. But if, as you practice praying for them, it will become easier and your heart will soften as well. And God will show you any unforgiveness in your own heart that you need to get rid of because that unforgiveness and that bitterness can hold you back. It will set you as a prisoner. Do the hard things for your marriage so that it will last, it will honor and glorify Jesus, and it will be a testimony to your kids and grandkids and will be a righteous legacy for them. Now, Ray and I have had a lot of people say to us, why on earth are you still married? Why would you stay married to someone that you fight with all the time? And Ray and I do not have the knockdown, drag out fights that we used to when we were first married. We used to have some intense uh, domestic fellowship, as our friends Don and Gayla Palmgren called it. But we don't fight that loudly and intensely anymore. I guess occasionally we do, but we, we've calmed down a lot. But we still, um, our communication is still in an area where we still need a lot of work. But one thing we can say is that we're still together. That is a testimony by the power of God. We don't want a divorce. We feel like it wouldn't honor God. And we believe God wants us to stay married and that we have a calling upon our lives individually and as a married couple. And as our pastor and friend Dave Christian says, much is at stake here. So if we divorce, it could affect other people, our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, our friends, and other people. Because if we are not together ministering the way that God wants, that ministry will never happen. We will not be able to go to the nations together. We have a nation's calling. And God wants us to stay together for His purpose. Now, another area that is hard is business success. When I see easings, blogs, and social media posts about the six and seven figure a year gurus saying things like, you can succeed and be wealthy working only four hours a week. Or even this week, I saw someone saying one hour a week, and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And really, it annoys me. Now, I have not read that book the four-hour work week, and I need to read it. I've heard so much about it. They may be at that place now. They are so successful now in their lives that they are able to only work four hours a week, and that they outsource a lot, so I think that's key too. But I don't believe when they first started out, they only work an hour a week or two hours or four. In fact, I have several books on millionaire women and one consistent theme is loving what you do to be able to succeed and hard work inspiring women. Let work be your play, but do work. Speaker and author Mayo Angelou said this, Nothing works unless you do. And I think that's good. Nothing works unless you do. You know, God created us to work. He didn't just... Create us to sit around on the couch eating chips or bonbons and watching TV or surfing the internet all the time. He made us to move. He made us to work. He made us to release our creativity. He made us to fulfill our purpose, to use our gifts for him. And that is not just the inside of the, the four walls of a church. It's also marketplace ministry, using your gifts in the marketplace, using your gifts wherever you go. And I don't think that means we have to work 60 or 50 or 80 hours a week on our online business. We can learn to work smarter, not harder or longer. But I also don't think we can put in just a couple of hours a week and expect to see incredible, successful results, especially not when you're first starting out, not initially. Working hard doesn't mean working all the time. And that is in Secrets of Six-Figure Women by Barbara Stanny. You don't let the work overtake your life, but you have to be unwilling to be uncomfortable and to take risks. You also have to do the inner work, which is so important to be a success with your mindset. Mindset is huge in order to succeed. 
break free from poverty thinking. We all grew up hearing things about money and about success. Maybe you grew up hearing that money was bad or people that have money are greedy or whatever, but money is not bad. Money is just a tool. It is something that we use in this world. The Bible does not say money is evil. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. And I don't believe in the prosperity gospel either. I do believe God wants us to be blessed and to succeed, but money is not going to make you fulfilled or happy. You can use money as a tool. You can use money as a, a way to spread the gospel to the nations, to help other people. I believe God wants to bless us so much that we become a blessing to other people. You can't help people in your family or your friends or people in this country or other nations if you're broke. If you're wondering how you're going to pay your rent or your utility bills. Or you're wondering if you're going to have food on the table next week. No, God wants us blessed so we can bless other people. Also, to succeed, go with your gut. Don't wait till you feel like it, but push through to achieve your goals. Make intentions and write down how much you want to make and buy when. Set deadlines and learn from other successful people. Surround yourself with people that have success mindsets and that are filled with faith. Also, what does success mean to you? Write down what it means. It may not be a dollar figure. Maybe it, success is not about making a lot of money. But important things like spending time and vacations with your family, being able to travel to do missions trips, becoming a philanthropist to help others in need, and make daily conscious intentional decisions. Don't just let your life happen to you. Make a choice. Know what you're going to do every day to work on your business. Every day I do a to-do list. It is so important because it helps me to get things done. It gives me a guideline for what I'm supposed to do that day. And I always ask God, God, what do you want me to do today? Lead and guide me. Now, sometimes he just allows you to make those decisions yourself. But a lot of times he'll inspire you. He'll give you creative ideas. And he'll lead you step by step. Take time off when you want to. Don't always work. You know, have some playtime and also get help. Get coaches and mentors who are successful. Most of all, keep going. Don't you dare quit. Don't you give up on your dreams, but delegate. Outsource the techie stuff that you hate to do. I can't stand tech stuff. If I don't have to do it, I will not do it. I learned the, the great thing about outsourcing, getting help from other people. Also, become financially savvy, and this is an area I am working on right now. Save money, spend less. Pay off your debts, even if it's just $10 a month. These, these are part of my goals for my life. Why? Because the Bible says to owe no man anything but love. And this is an area that I really would like God to give me wisdom in. Read this book, Secrets of Six-Figure Women, and other books on successful women. And a couple I can recommend to you are Inspired Women Succeed by Diane Cunningham and Joanne Four, Kelly Thorne Gore's books, uh, iBloom books, anything that iBloom does, amazing content. Also, Carrie Wilkerson's book, Barefoot Executive, is a great book. Platform by Michael Hyatt. Book Yourself Solid by Michael Port. These are some really good books for you. And also my book that you would prosper as your soul prospers at my East Door that you can buy at BethJones.net. So do the hard work to be able to succeed in your business, your health, and your life. And this is not this is not going to happen overnight. It's going to take time. That extra 35 pounds I'm carrying right now on my body is not coming off in a couple of weeks. And I admit it, it's frustrating me. To me, it feels like it is coming off so slow. But I'm not focused on the weight. I'm focusing on fitness. Step by step, I can get there and so can you. And whatever it is, whether it's getting fit and healthy, preparing for a 5K or a half marathon, cleaning and organizing your house, homeschooling your kids, or parenting your active, loud, hyper little kids, making wealth or succeeding in your business, 
making your marriage or your friendship or a relationship better, finishing college or ministry school, developing a prayer time, a quiet time every day with God to grow spiritually. Do the hard work that's necessary. Sometimes we have to do the hard things in order to get to where God wants us to go and to be who you want to be. Think about your life. Think about your dreams. What do you want your life to look like? I had a friend tell me this week, this is not what I want for my life. My life looks nothing like I imagine it to be at 50 years old. I'm unhappy. I don't have any friends. You know, our finances are not good. We're struggling check to check. It is not the life that she imagined. And I've felt that way at times too in my life. So if this is not the life you imagine, then do what is necessary. Take the steps. Do the hard work so that you can get to where God wants you to go and what your dreams are. This is your one life. What are you waiting on? If you're if you're not happy, if you're miserable with your life, make the changes that you can to have that happy life because God wants you happy just like we want our kids happy. Now, to close, I want, and I know this podcast was much, much longer than my usual ones, but I just felt like God gave me different things to share with you this week. Normally, my podcasts are only 15, 10 to 15 minutes long, 20 or 30 at the most. This one is much longer, twice as long as is normal or even three times. But nine things Nine ways to stick with your goals. And this is from Valerie Burton's book, Successful Women Think Differently. Pick one, just one. Instead of making a laundry list of goals and attempting to reach all your goals at once, which is going to overwhelm you, choose one to focus on at a time. And right now, minus health and fitness. Yes, I want to lose weight. I would love to get down to a size eight um, overnight. But Right now, I'm focused on fitness and health. And every day, I'm asking God for help with the self-discipline and control to eat healthy, to drink a lot of water, to not drink coats because I was addicted to them emotionally. They were A coat was to me like cake is or cookies to other people, a comfort food. Not to eat sweets and to walk or do the kickboxing video. This is my priority right now in my life at this season. So choose one thing for your priority. Get laser focused on it, Valerie says, and make it a goal that inspires you and that is meaningful to your life. And she says, you don't have to know exactly how you're going to get there, but just take steps, one step at a time. Number two, make a decision to pursue it. Just make a decision. Stop saying, I wish... And start saying, I'm going to. And as Nike says, just do it. Number three, pinpoint your inspiration. People who succeed at goals, Valerie writes, use the power of inspiration to get there. So surround yourself with inspiration. Your motivation will come from inside of you. And let's say you want to lose weight. Let's say you want to lose 20 pounds or 30 or whatever it is. Ask yourself why. Why do you want to lose weight? For me, the focus is not weight. As I said, it's health and fitness to be able to pursue the purpose God has for me in speaking, writing, and traveling. And I can't do that if I'm unhealthy, if I'm not fit. And like my friend Tina told me last year, if I'm running through airports to travel to go to a speaking engagement and I'm 40, 50 pounds overweight plus my luggage, that is going to way slow me down. It's going to hinder me from getting to where I need to go, especially if I'm in a hurry trying to catch a flight. Know your why. Your purpose and your motivation will fuel your perseverance and your passion. Number four, find a motivated partner. Now, there is power in numbers. Working with someone else, moving in the same direction as you is a powerful experience, Valerie says. And I want to encourage you to find a coach if you don't have a coach, a mentor, a mastermind, or prayer partners. I, last year, or it was a year before actually, 
I got a team of people to pray for me because God told me I was going up level. And he was right that next year I went to Africa and I encountered a lot of spiritual warfare going there. So I needed extra prayer cover. And I have people praying for me and my family, my business and my health. I also have a weekly accountability and business prayer partner. Uh, for us to pray for each other's businesses, for us to get inspired and creative ideas to encourage each other. I also have an accountability partner who I email every week and she emails me back for our health and our fitness, fitness to help us to do the walking, to help us to choose to eat healthy foods. And I got so tickled at one of her emails one week where she said she ate almost the entire box of Girl Scout cookies. And I can understand that. I can easily polish off a, a box of Nutter Butters all by myself. Those are my favorite cookies in the whole world. But I have to choose not to, to do all that. So have people in your life you can be a partner with in accountability and prayer. Who can you ask right now to pray for you and partner with you to keep you going? If you don't have that, if you don't know anyone, ask God to send some Christian woman or if you're a man, a Christian man into your life to help you. I strongly discourage you to do it with a man if you're a woman or to do it with a woman if you're a man, especially if you're married. You want to um, have someone of the same sex praying with them for you and talking with you. Celebrate your successes together. Reward yourself. Number five is to reach out for support. There's someone else out there who has blazed the trail before you and can help you. And that is why a coach, a mentor, or a mastermind group is so important. You come together and you get these brilliant, inspired ideas. That is why I deliberately surround myself with brilliant women because they can think of things I don't and vice versa. We all have gifts to share and we all have different ideas and we all see in part the Bible says. That is why you see so many Facebook groups. People learn from and inspire each other. And there's just this motivation and just this energy and passion that happens when people are in a group and on a team. They encourage each other. And what when Valerie wanted to write her first book, she said she'd never done it before. So she bought a book on how to write a book. Now, if that's you and you need help in speaking and writing, if you're a beginner speaker or writer, I do offer coaching in this area at BethJones.net. And also remember that I am a speaker. I love to speak at live conferences, retreats, Bible studies, groups of women, leadership groups. If you need a speaker for your event, please contact me at BethJones.net or on my Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash BethJones.net. Number six, create a vision board. And some people call it a faith board. Create a visually inspiring spot that reminds you of where you are headed. Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? What do you want to be? What are your dreams? Put it on a poster board. Cut out magazine pictures and glue it or staple it down and have that vision or faith board right in front of you. And look at it a lot. Maybe near your office desk to inspire you and encourage you. Number seven is expect a challenge and determine to keep pressing forward. You're going to have obstacles. You're going to have distractions probably every day of your life, especially if you're working on something important and you're, you've got a goal in mind or God has told you something to do, the enemy is going to try to stop you. But don't stop and keep going, keep persevering, keep praying. And when you fall down, get back up and keep moving and keep on that shield of faith. To quench all the fiery darts of the evil one. Number eight, you know, keep that armor on every day. And ask God for his hand of protection and him to war on your behalf. And he will. The battle belongs to the Lord. Plan for the obstacles up front. That's number eight. Researchers in the area of goal setting say it's essential to remember that reaching your goals, that's as much about the process as the destination. We learn so much from failing. In fact, failure is a wonderful instructor, a wonderful teacher. Keep pressing on toward the finish line because failing doesn't make you a failure. Just keep getting up and moving and running your race. And don't look at the others around you. Don't compare yourself to other people because that can be a hindrance too. It will, it will trip you up 
And also perfectionism and procrastination will trip you up. Number nine, the final one is reward and recharge after each milestone. And when you've reached a goal or dream, celebrate. Reward yourself and give yourself time to refuel before you charge ahead. Take a break. Enjoy your journey of life. Enjoy the airplane or train ride. When I came back from Canada after I spoke there at Doreen Penner's retreat, I took the train. God told me to take the train. And I had three divine appointments on the train. And I was able to go through the beautiful mountains all across Canada and across the U.S. It was an amazing experience. One of the funnest times I've ever had in my whole life. If I had come back on the airplane... I'd have never seen all those things. I'd have never seen those mountains. I'd have never seen those waterfalls. I would have never seen the beauty of Canada and America like that. It was one of the funnest things I've ever done in my life. So enjoy the journey. I hope that this encouraged you today to do the hard things. Remember that when you do the hard things, you will reap the benefits. Galatians 6.9, the Living Bible says this, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we do not give up. This is Beth Jones, international speaker and author. Thank you for joining me here today at the Beth Jones International Speaker official podcast. You can subscribe to my podcast at iTunes. Join me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash bethjones.net and on Twitter at Beth M. Jones. If you'd like to book me as a speaker for your women's event, contact me at bethjones.net. I am planning a trip to Longview, Texas in mid-April this year, 2015. I would love to be able to meet you there, connect with you, or speak at your women's retreat, Bible study group, a business breakfast, a business lunch, or another event, even if it's just for 10 or 15 minutes. I would love to do that, so please contact me. Thank you for tuning in today, and have a blessed and beautiful day.